Good morning, everyone. We have moved over to Twitter Spaces, but we will be broadcasting here in five minutes. So hang tight, we'll be right with you. Good morning, everyone. We are experimenting with the show on Twitter Spaces. So please go over to the Twitter Spaces show, but we will be rebroadcasting in this clubhouse room in. Or, or, is, or is that, or is that your, uh, your, your faux news uh, reports telling you that the Dems say that? No, no, that's the Dems saying that. <laughs> I love it. What's up, everybody in Clubhouse? We will be getting started momentarily. Welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where you can get your daily dose. It is fucking Friday, and we're just a few uh, few days away from getting Nanogram back. <laughs> so me and Jason will have to, have to keep this shit together with uh, duct tape and uh, super glue over here. Yeah, we're on our light bulbs. <laughs> 
We are on the lifeboats. But you know what? It's international waters, Jason. <laughs> and you know I'm all about that international flavor. Hell yeah. All right, let me uh Scott. get this music popping. Can you put your article up at the top? You're the man. Uh, this like intro music is only like 30 seconds. I just got to keep on clicking it to repeat it. We got to get a, a, a loop on that, Susan. Did you guys get my article? Christopher here. So, Christopher. That. You like that, Jason? I'm remixing it. Oh, that shit. Trap dispensary chain of all time, Green Tree Revolution. <laughs> oh man. Shout out to Anaheim. about this weekend man it's a uh, 710 you headed to uh, hazy fest I think I am too man we got we got to connect I was uh floating on an island uh the last two days of psychedelics and now I've uh, returned to earth and I gotta find out what's popping on Sunday, so gotta make some uh, calls and make some moves. Here we go. tuned in to state of cannabis news hour your daily dose jason what we got today man let's oh, get yeah. popping uh, 
News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized new views with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and just a pinch of humor. It's Friday, July 8th, 2022. This is episode 318, and I am Jason Beck, the longest continuous retail operator of cannabis in the United States. If you are listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Twitter Spaces. Spark it up with us. Over 31,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members. If you want to be a part of the audience and participate, and please support our show by subscribing and leaving us a review. Today, we will be talking about... Let's see, let's see, let's see... Washington, D.C. Mayor signs medical cannabis bill um, allowing people to self-certify themselves as medical patients. (laughs) More cannabis tip jar news. Arkansas could see recreational marijuana on the 2022 ballot. A need for more research on toxicity of cannabis vaping products. California cannabis grows, legal and illegal, are leaving behind all types of Fur babies. Concentrate holidays are boosting retail sales for 710. Fee sharing, telehealth, raise medical marijuana questions, and many other f- more frosty nuggets. I'm still going with this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm good at improv. I'm not good at fucking scripts and shit, man. So, um, if you were listening to the podcast, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Twitter Spaces and Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and 31,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members. It's actually 33,000 now. If you want to be a audience participant, and please support our show by subscribing and leaving us a review. All right, um, audience, feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on the headline or if it's read, and we'll try to bring you up to the stage. Keep it brief and relevant, or you may get the... That's the gong, y'all. We don't mean it as disrespect, but we do mean we only have an hour here, and we got to keep it moving with the story, so please keep it on, on track there. Kicking off the show will be me, Rico Lamit. I like to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. I am the dopest dad alive, here to encourage other dope dads around the planet to keep it puffing, but keep it safe. Uh, find me on TEDx or one of my Cannavision events or uh, my podcasts, and um, I'm always going to be on here every weekday as long as I am uh, sane and I am uh, breathing, and I'm here to support the industry and my team. Uh, let's get it started in my story. Is coming out of let's see KTVL up in Eureka uh, from Malik Patterson. So uh, California cannabis grows legal and illegal are leaving behind an influx of stray dogs. There's been a steady uptick of abandoned animals ending up at rescue shelters nationwide since folks began seeing the light at the end of the COVID tunnel and decided that fur babies that they picked up uh, during the lockdown forever home always came with an asterisk. 
Things got even crazier this week after 4th of July fireworks celebrations collectively gave the canine community record-breaking numbers, choosing the call of the wild over pretending any longer that freedom in America was a real thing. But I'm sad to say, at least in Eureka, California, if local reports are true, some of these displaced doggos' homelessness has a direct tie to the cannabis industry. According to KTVL's Malik Patterson up in Siskiyou County, uh, one shelter claims the bulk of the strays they get are from abandoned cannabis fields, illegal and legal. The harsh words came from John Golay, executive director at Rescue Ranch. He says it's either from illegal drug busts or the legal ones packing up and moving, but not taking the dogs they had to protect their plants. The Rescue Ranch has gotten 277 dogs adopted this year, 699 adopted last year, but are still almost at max capacity, currently housing 150 dogs and puppies and looking to find all a permanent home. The shelter deals with traumatized dogs all the time and want to keep them in stable environments. The biggest problem with people giving up on dogs is they just don't know how to clearly communicate and set boundaries. A lot of dogs, all they need is clear information instead of mixed messages, Golay said. Second that, brother. Uh, the ranch has no appointments and encourages everyone to come out and experience their offerings in person. Since it's Northern California, the article was sure to note special rules for Oregonians looking to adopt. All dogs brought into the state from California are required to purchase an agricultural inspection ticket for $80, and the process takes about two to three weeks. Rescue Ranch pup, um, prices their puppies at $300. Dogs, um, excuse me. $300 uh, for puppies and uh, $200 for dogs, and that includes all of their required shots. They can be reached through Facebook or visit their website. Uh, should be in this link um, up top here and um, to start your adoption process. This is Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street for the State of Cannabis News Hour. And if you don't like dogs and weed, chances are I probably don't like you. What'd you say that, Jason? I love this story, Rico. Thanks for bringing this up. I saw it. And the thing I think that people don't um, get a lot also is like, you know, talking about raids. You know, Jason wants to talk about raids. Um, but uh, that the dogs, like what happens to dogs? I think dogs are killed and then they're left in the shelters and stuff. And so I think this is something that's not highlighted enough, honestly. We've definitely heard stories about how dogs get used as leverage against people as well when the cops come. Sometimes they shoot them outright, and sometimes they sort of hold them hostage so that the people will behave. It's um, it's a thing that's used against the growers as well, so it's a, it's a nightmare all around. Yes, indeed. And those cannabinoids can help your dog feel a lot better, especially after all that PTSD you just went through. Right. Especially, um, save the dogs. Save the dogs. Yeah, I was talking to Doctor Do, Doctor Do, Doctor Tim from over at uh, Vet CBD uh, when we launched Cannavision, and we were actually talking about this uh, during July Fourth back then. Um, there are some good CBD products that actually help your dog alleviate stress, like after uh, July Fourth, and then um, because the holidays can be really, really stressful for dogs, so make sure you um, getting your dogs the right medicine as well because sometimes it could uh, uh, it could um, help them live longer lives on know seeing as we're talking about dogs i've noticed that you know there's a lot of dogs that get triggered from fireworks and we just all experience fourth of july but i noticed that most of the dogs that get triggered are like small little like little, little dogs and the big dogs tend to enjoy it. has anyone seen the difference in that yes it's all dogs man <laughs> all dogs 
all dogs for sure. Yeah, my my son has a big big dog, and uh, he goes mental over the fireworks. No matter, and he hears them way farther away than we do, so he gets completely in a panic. It's it's really awful. And then I have a tiny dog, and he does not care at all. Yeah, my, my buddy had just had a litter of like fourteen German Shepherds, and they all were like super stoked and started just sitting out the window and watching the Fourth of July fireworks and were triggered at all. It might be in the German Shepherd lineage though, because when I had my Shepherd when growing up, he didn't give a shit about fireworks either, and we were not living at the hood in the hood at the time. <laughs> I don't know that's probably what it was. All right, let's keep smoking the news. He's the longest continuous, longest continuously operating retailer in the industry. Matter of fact, in the world, with an affinity for the best weed globally. The identification and eradication of Booth worldwide is one of his many passions as Kaiser Brose, also known in Detroit as White Gucci. Um, they call him in Miami, Gucci Blanco. And over in London, it's the Booth Free Bloke. Coming up next, he is my photo negative, Mr. Jason Beck. What do you have for us today on this beautiful Friday? Very cute. Happy Friday, everyone. We finally made it through the week. That's right. We got a big weekend coming up. 710 and all kinds of other fantastic cannabis holidays around the corner. But today, my story is for Arkansasians. That's right. People down in Arkansas could see adult use cannabis on the 2022 ballot. In order for adult use cannabis in Arkansas to be legalized, the issue has to be on an election ballot. Groups across the state have been trying to get it there by racking up more than 89,000 signatures on a petition by July 8th. Arkansas's Arkansanians laws say in order to have a constitutional amendment on the ballot, the number of signatures has to be 10% of the votes cast for governor in the most recent election. The deadline to get that amount is four months before the election to issue the, uh, for the issue that it intends to be on. In the case of the adult use cannabis, in Arkansas, the requirement includes a deadline of July 8, 2022, and at least 89,151 ballot signatures need to be submitted to the Secretary of State's office. If the Secretary of State verifies all the signatures are there, then Arkansans will be able to vote on the issue in November. However, if petitioners are only able to come up with at least 75% of the number of signatures, then they are given an extra 30 days to try to get there. Responsible Growth Arkansas, a group advocating to get adult use cannabis on the ballot, has reported having around 200,000 signatures, twice over the threshold needed. If adult use cannabis makes it onto the 2022 ballot and it is passed, it would, one, legalize cannabis for adults over 21 and over. It would reform existing drug laws in the state. It would dedicate cannabis tax income toward the state court and law enforcement systems and it would also remove taxes from the Arkansas Medical Cannabis Program. Though the first five months of 2022, an average of $741,000 is spent each day across the state's 38 dispensaries to purchase medical cannabis since Scott Harden, spokesperson for the Arkansas Department of Finance Administration, the ADFA. In June, the ADFA reported that 102,700 pounds of medical cannabis have been sold so far since 2019. Come Friday, we're going to turn in 200,000 signatures of Arkansas, said Steve Lancaster of Wrigley Lindsay and Jennings LLP, partner representing Responsible Growth Arkansas. Originally, there were a total of five adult use cannabis petitions. Now there's only one. 
Arkansas's True Grass says it's suspended its, its canvassing campaign in early June after only getting about 40,000 signatures, and it plans to regroup come 2024. The thing that really sets us apart from the others is we understand that this is a product that needs to be regulated by the state, Lancaster said. The group says it would add 40 dispensaries across the state and 20 more craft growth facilities. It would not allow for home growing in order to, guess what, everyone? I know everyone's going to love this reasoning, in parentheses, to protect the children. All of this could mean an economic boost for Arkansas's uh, commerce. And over the last 12 months, we saw $32 million generated from medical cannabis to the state. If adult use were to happen, they say those numbers could change very dramatically, Harden said. The group also says its amendment would remove the tax from the medical cannabis patients and shift it to people buying it for adult use. Those monies will go for law enforcement, drug court, and would also go to cancer research, Lancaster said. Well, I'll tell you what, if you live in Arkansas, I encourage you to vote for this and make sure that your name is on the petition because Arkansas, they definitely need more access there. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State Cannabis News Hour. Arkansas is a little moving along. They, you know, going slow, but they, they're coming along. I dig it. I can't believe they do that much numbers in, in, in revenue and just medical. There's a lot of pain down there, man. It's the Deep South. Nobody else wanted to talk about Arkansas? My mom taught me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I've been there a few times. President. Really, no, Clinton, no Clinton jokes, no nothing, you guys, really? I was expecting a, a Clinton joke from you, Jason. I mean, I got What's like the access like in Arkansas? I mean, like, can you go to neighboring states and get this and bring it in? Or I'm really not very familiar with it. So, no, Arkansas is is like all states. You cannot go out of state and bring it in. Uh, it has to be cultivated within state, and uh, only members of the state are able to procure in Arkansas. But the surrounding states, I, I'm not looking at a map right now, so I'm trying to think of who might. There is no reciprocity. There is no reciprocity in Arkansas. Oklahoma, so they can just they can go across the state lines. I mean, you can do what you want as long as you don't get caught. Yeah, and as long as you can afford that gas money, right? <laughs> Joe Biden's America. Hold on, how's that have to do anything to do with Joe Biden? The gas, if you can afford the gas, is Joe Biden's America. If you can afford the gas. Oh, I, I was I was thinking about gas oh, as well, we smoke yeah, it. You, you know might, what I'm saying? Yeah. And you might need gas to go camping, dude. And that's not Joe Biden's America. That's someone else's America. So we don't need to go there. Come on, you're saying that Joe Biden doesn't camp? No, I'm just saying there's needs for other people to go to other states for other reasons. Um, and that is not put in place by Joe Biden. Just all right, saying. I was just going to say, I heard he has a fort in the, in the White House and all he does is camp in there in the basement. Let's keep smoking the news. She's an all-around data cruncher that's known a thing or two about numbers and shit. An educator, a brand strategist, a healthcare consultant, and founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County. It is none other than Liz Rogan. Thank you, Jason. And greetings, everyone. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. 
My story is a fun science story. It comes from newsmedical.net by Dr. Priyam Bose. The headline reads, A Toxicity of Cannabis Vaping Products. So in a recently published study in the academic journal called Toxological Sciences, researchers examined the challenges presented by cannabis vaping products um, while they're looking at analyzing um, consumers' respiratory health. So the study itself was titled, Cannabinoid Vaping Products Present Novel Challenges for Assessment of Respiratory Health Effects by Love et al. And they broke this down into a couple different um, segments. The first one is cannabinoid vaping products. So they're looking at basically the most common vaping products on the shelf, which are Delta 9 THC, Delta 8, and CBD. Um, some studies that they've looked at from e-cigarettes and vaping indicate adverse effects, particularly in terms of lung injury. Um, several studies have shown that with vaping and e-cigarette users, um, that eval, E-V-A-L-I, um, lung injury, 82% reported the use of using THC vaping products, while only 16% reported using CBD vaping products. Two of the main reasons associated with the limited research on these products are regulatory factors and the significant evolution of the cannabis market. Um, so previous studies have also shown that both THC and CBD contain silicones, humectants, vitamins, flavorants, terpenes, pesticides, and metals. And moreover, um, cannabinoid vaping products are typically concentrated with as oils. Um, these um, concentrated oils are used at various concentrations and amounts. But since September 2019, Delta 8 being sold legally in many U.S. states, they're finding um, that they're having Delta 8 is having a similar effects uh, vaping-wise. So according to a recent study by Google Trends in August 2020, there was a significant increase in searches related to Delta-8. Um, the method for isomerization of CBD to Delta-8 THC is easily available online. However, an improper chemical reaction could lead to product contamination, and we'll talk about that. But the second portion they looked at is the vaping users and saying there's a real large gap in research associated with the health effects of vaping products, especially related to vaping and inhalation exposures. Um, with a recent meta-analysis, they looked at the vaping products in THC for adolescents rose from 6% to about 13% from 2013 to 2020, and that adolescents preferred THC oil over cannabis flour. So it's interesting. And... Um, Previous findings um, show that U.S. adolescent participants identified increased risk of multiple respiratory symptoms, including wheezing and dry cough. Um, in addition to affecting the lungs, they, these products may also affect the brain and vasculature of users. And prenatal studies on THC have shown altered brain development, especially in adolescents. And the last part they're looking at is the toxicological assessment of cannabinoid vaping products. So they looked at the toxicology, toxicology profiles of these products and then looked at them in dose-relevant patterns and looked at toxicity of additives and dilutants as well as inhalational exposures and they're hoping it can help inform federal policy what's interesting is that they noted that um, these studies basically were there was so much so much variety amongst everything and then also because of the online they can find out these they can find out how to do it there's so many negative um things that are coming out of this, like toluene, um, 
sorry, I lost my place of where it was where I was uh, reading. But essentially, there's so many problems with them changing this. The the chemical is not the same. If you've heard something ch- called chirality, it's it's basically they create the same molecule, but it's a mirror image of it, so it's not exactly the same. But the problem is that they're finding that there's a huge amount of problems with this. There's no regulation. Um, and so they're easily manufacturing this through acid-catalyzed in the molecular cyclization of CBD. But basically, the improper, improper chemical conversion can lead to contaminations such as heptane, toluene, medicals, um, and other solvents. So there's real issues here, and I think overall the problem is that they haven't we haven't had look at this in, in depth like really it evolves quickly i think we've seen that in states like pennsylvania that are trying to all of a sudden like pull back um and so i don't know this is where we're at now um i've always there's probably going to be some issues with vape pens myself just because of often having to use that oil like that that's not something we've seen historically we usually see people smoking cannabis flower but who knows um i feel like as humans we're getting picks on a lot of things like we used to smoke cigarettes inside and while you're pregnant so this is liz rogan i'm reporting for the state of cannabis news hour there's a lot around this but i'd love to hear what anyone else has to say on this topic so you're saying like the reason why you get like really really high in that head rush and everything is the heavy metals that you're inhaling from vapes what you're saying Liz? well rico honestly how i compare it is i say that vape pens are like masturbation literally i just feel like they just give you like it's just like oh it's okay but it doesn't quite do it you know clip that just the tip just the tip that's what you put to your lip is just the tip with a vape pen if it's just the tip, does that mean you never get the shaft? That's the thing. You don't get the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, does, it depend, does it depend on how big your battery is? Fucking Friday. <laughs> size, size, size matters. Size matters. You guys have digressed. This is Dr. Chief. Great article, Liz. I think it's an uh, important topic. We are experimenting with this new method. Um, but many people like it because they can you know, carry it around with them. It doesn't smell. They're not burning their clothing. Lots of reasons for people wanting to choose a vape pen. We just got to get to studying whether it's wrong or not. I mean, with all the with, with all the experts in the room, is there a preferred vape or a, a, a vape vehicle to, to use over others that's, that's either safer or more effective? Yes, live resin. I mean, um, the actual like delivery, uh, the actual um, um, hardware. Oh, ceramic. Yeah, we're, we're not sure the metals are the best. <laughs> They're great yeah. for the environment, right? They're horrible for the environment. We're not, not sure which weather metals are affecting folks. Also, the the are, are they adding things like oils, other oils that are are causing issues, like the vape pen illness of twenty nineteen. So, you know, there's a lot we don't know. The Hattista has something to say. Yeah, Elise, what's happening? Oh, hey. So, yeah, I wanted to just chime in on this. Um, I used to be the CMO at Doc Greens. We actually created the Emerald Cup winning solventless vape last year, but I want to say it took us 
over two years to create that because what we did is we actually took the vape cart apart and sent different parts of it for testing ourselves because we knew about the heavy metal issue and i don't think any other company has done that and as someone who dabs and you know obviously worked for a company and created a vape i personally still don't even recommend them or like using them because there's just so many parts beyond the company's control again the hardware the metals whether it's ceramic or plastic that your cannabis and your terpenes and all that oil is going into that we don't know about those reactions at all. So I recommend people get into dabbing as opposed to vapes, but if you must vape, you go for a solventless ceramic stainless steel medical grade hardware. But doesn't dabbing um, have like different uh, materials as well that you could be in, uh, inhaling and siphoning off? No, the good part about dabbing is you're going to be using either a quartz or a really clean um, device to the heating element to then uh, vaporize the concentrates or it's again going in ceramic or something. So there really shouldn't be any issue with uh, heavy metals or cheap low grade material touching your concentrate oil unless you're using one of those lower grade vape devices. Um, I'm not going to name brands, but just think of it this way. If it seems like cheap metal, do you want your concentrate touching that and then you inhaling whatever's coming off of that? Well, at least uh, remember we are on Twitter, so you can uh, just log off and log back into your burner account and name names. Let's keep smoking the news. <laughs> Up next, this attorney at law focuses on the nexus point between cannabis, entertainment, and psychedelics while providing excellent documentation of said exploits on social media and her appropriately titled podcast, Shall We Toke, at the same damn time. Bringing us the next story of the day, Shalina Panu. What you got for us? Thank you so much, Rico. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina, and my headline for today is Psilocybin phase two clinical trial first sites initiated by Canadian biotech company for treatment of alcohol use disorder. As reported by Biospace, a Canadian biotech company called Clairvoyant Therapeutics has initiated the first of 15 planned sites of Clarity, the company's phase two clinical trial investigating psilocybin and the treatment of alcohol use disorder. The World Health Organization states that 283 million people aged 15 years or older are at risk of alcohol use disorder. Globally, mortality from alcohol consumption is higher than from diseases such as tuberculosis, HIV AIDS, and diabetes. According to Biospace, Clairvoyant Therapeutics is changing the face of psychedelic therapy with a speed-to-market clinical strategy designed to enable psilocybin therapy in the EU, UK, and Canada to treat patients living with alcohol use disorder beginning in 2026. Further, Clairvoyant has a proven clinical track record and a deep, uh, deep drug development experience, making them the most advanced company globally developing psilocybin therapy for the treatment of AUD. Biospace states that Clarity is a randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial designed to evaluate the safety and efficacy of 25 milligrams synthetic psilocybin in conjunction with motivational enhancement therapy. Clarity has been approved in Canada and has uh, been submitted for regulatory approval in the EU countries selected for its phase two clinical trial. Further, they state that in the Clarity trial, subjects are accompanied on their psychedelic treatment journey by two highly trained therapists who have been certified under Clairvoyant's professional and ethical cert uh, certification, certification program. CEO of Clairvoyant, Damon Cuttawell states, we are delighted to initiate our phase two clinical trial. He goes on to state at Clairvoyant, it is our hope that the results of the clinical trial will support the company's novel psychedelic treatment model for addressing the significant unmet medical need for AUD patients. 
Biospace states that the remainder of the 15 sites are each in an advanced stage of negotiation. These sites are located in major centers in Canada and in Europe. Uh, the large number of sites for a psychedelic trial reflects Clairvoyant's objective to be the first company globally to register psilocybin as a therapeutic product to treat AUD patients. What are your thoughts on this clinical trial? My name is Shalina and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Hmm. Any doctors, uh, Dr. Fel uh, Felicia, uh, Dr. Jean? I think it's amazing how fast the psilocybin and how pharma has taken psilocybin much, much quicker than cannabis or cannabinoids, that they're going much faster in proving it as a pharmacologic agent. They don't have a bunch of uh, communities of color complaining that their uh, exactly. that their neighborhoods were ruined by a war on drugs with people looking for mushrooms. Exactly. Well, it doesn't seem like there was like psilocybin was really truly part of the war on drugs. Like this is also happening in other countries like Canada, Israel. Do you think it has anything to do, uh, Dr. Jane, with the fact? that the federal government already owns a patent on, on, on cannabis and the FDA already has the patent with epidiolex and whatnot, that basically um, they're already done with cannabis as far as they're concerned from a uh, pharmaceutical type of perspective. And then, so that now they just want to capitalize on mushrooms. That's that the next thing coming up? Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's political or if it's scientific. I tend to look at the science reasons. The cannabis offers so many active active ingredients uh, uh and psilocybin does you know and, and mushrooms do too but maybe psilocybin is a lot easier as a single agent which fits in with the with the pharmaceutical industries and the fda's paradigm so i think it might be single agent versus multi-agent pharmacology if if you know what i mean it sounds like the matrix to me <laughs> Well, that's a really good point. That's a really good point because that is how pharmacological looks at stuff. They just find one thing and there's so many things going on in the cannabis plant. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Felicia. To answer your question, Selena, I think for sure psychedelics can help with any type of um, addiction, uh, it seems, alcohol, cocaine, whatever. Um, but regarding pharmaceutical companies, I don't think they're done with cannabis at all. They're, they'll, they'll continue plucking away with the single agents, as uh, Dr. John said, um, given Epidiolex's um, success. So uh, they're not done with it, for sure. Yeah, I want to say one other thing, sorry. I had a story, I remember when the DEA was lifting the moratorium on research for cannabis, and they were giving out the research things, and they also were, they had psilocybin in there too. This kind of didn't get mentioned, but it's got snuck in there, so I'm sure that they're working on a patent for that soon, if there isn't one already. I was wondering also why they use synthetic um psilocybin in the study um they use synthetic because it's predictable and it's dose accurate and they need that for the fda studies they can't have uh random mushrooms that produce different amounts and ratios of alkaloids because then that will be accepted by the thanks there you have it also i'd like to say this bodes well um, from the freak power side of, of the world because all of the original 
human religions were astrotheological mushroom cults. The sooner we can get mushrooms legalized, we can have group uh, and community mushroom rituals. The sooner we'll get close to the abolition of money and war and dance parties in the streets and, and be building megaliths and actually be getting along like we're supposed to on this earth. I like to call I like to call group mushroom sessions Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Matthew, as long as you're making the tea. Speaking yes, of sir. speaking of liberty, I think it's time for a gaslight, Jason. Oh yeah. <laughs> You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis, or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and the speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any exceptions in any country, area, or territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. The sponsorships of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any speaker. Let's keep smoking the news. Who we got up next, Jay? Is it a bird? It's the plane. You know, it's a delivery van with a delivery smoother than DHL and a price point lower than FedEx. That's right. It's Clark Kent Delivery. Coming to the stage next is Christopher Smith. He's the communications and strategist publisher of the American Cannabis Report. What type of news do you have for us today, Clark? Good morning, Jason. Thank you so much for the intro. Good morning, Rico. Hello out there, Susan. It's sad to have to report that the knuckleheads in our community have been busy this story revisits one that we've reported here a couple of times in the state of cannabis news hour the case of the missing tip jar that's from my good friend deb borchard's green market report in the massachusetts market a dispensary called buds goods and provisions has reached an agreement with the state's fair labor division of the attorney general's office the popular cannabis dispensary agreed to repay numerous current and former employees as part of a $33,000 settlement following a complaint from an employee that company kept tips from its bud tenders. 68 employees who worked between March 1st, 2021 and the end of 2021 will receive between $20 and $1,500. So first of all, let's be clear. The company wants you to think that this is all about $33,000. It's not. It's about the $20 that the company refused to give that employee at the bottom. It's not about the big number, it's about the smallest number because that shows how badly this company has lost its way. As an outside advisor on this fiasco, I'm tempted to borrow a phrase from Full Metal Jacket and ask Bud's Goods and Provisions, what's your major malfunction, numbnuts? But satire aside, if I were a public relations consultant for Bud's Goods and Provisions, as, as I do for many cannabis clients, I would switch to crisis communications mode if my client's name was linked to corruption of any kind, especially the petty cash variety, which suggests a level of desperation that's cruel, ugly, and frightening. Stealing tips is corrupt behavior. It may be simply morally corrupt. It might not be illegal as they're trying to push back. But seriously, buds, goods, and profession, check yourself before you wreck yourself. This sounds like what happens when lawyers and MBAs run a business. Like it's a death metal ultimate frisbee game between the Chads from Harvard and the Biffs from Yale. They play to win, they play to the death, and now they're laughing stocks all across America because they couldn't just drop the disc and let the bud tender have his 20 bucks. America is all about the little guy. You think no one noticed this when you do bullshit to your employees? 
Look what happened to Burger King, a behemoth company, just last week, when an employee who had worked in the same location for 27 years was given a measly goodie bag and a pat on the back. Public relations nightmare. Also, imagine you're an investor in Bud's Goods and Provisions or a potential investor for a new raise, perhaps. What are you going to think about a company that makes such unforced errors in judgment? that fight all the way to the attorney general's office over 20 bucks or even 33,000 bucks in the world of a popular cannabis dispensary. That's like 30 seconds of revenue. I'm thinking quite a few checkbooks have closed over this and it's so unnecessary. Let's move on to Cureleaf. The settlement is a quote from the article. This settlement comes the same time as cannabis giant Cureleaf recently pushed back against an employee that sued the company for the contents of a tip jar. Former employee Morgan Heller filed a complaint in March accusing the company of not giving the employees $126,000 that had been collected in tip jars. Heller says that the managers took the money instead. And Cureleaf has gone to court. They want the Illinois federal court to dismiss those claims saying the tips to workers in the first place. Cureleaf's position is that the tips were not part of the employment agreement and had told the employees as such. Again, Chad. Purely knucklehead, drop the rope, step away from the tip jar, hand over the tip money, and dear Lord, don't let it get out that you're so fucking petty. All politics is local, but cruelty to employees is national news. So here's some questions for the knuckleheads out there. When is the tip jar not a tip jar? Never. Is it wrong to put out a tip jar when you know it's not really a tip jar? Of course it's wrong, because... Not only you're stealing from butt tenders, but you're stealing from your customers. You take their money under false pretenses and you've stolen their trust. And the next question they're going to ask is, if you're lying to your own employees, what are you lying to me about? And that is how brands die, people. The promise, the brand is a promise. And once you break your promise to play fair, people will use those same feet and they'll go into a different shop forever. It's madness. And I'm done speaking. Amen, Christopher. Amen. Thank you for that story. Um, I remember we uh, we covered this a little bit a couple of weeks ago too. Are there uh, California uh, dispensaries ever deal with stuff like this? This is something that's mainly at MSOs in other states. Yeah, I've mostly seen this in, in, in other states. I haven't really seen this happen in California. But I'm wondering, Christopher, are they trying to uh, justify this um, uh, tip ration? by saying that the customer service lacked on the customer or on, on, on the service provider's part? I, I don't think so. I don't think that they're saying you, you didn't deserve the tips. I think that it's just kind of a shady move. You know, in, in the, the case of the, of the Massachusetts company, uh, the, the Bud's, uh, what's it called, provisions, um, what they did was they ended up buying food with it. So they took the tips and they bought food with it, thinking they were doing a favor. Well, the employees who worked in the evening shift got cold dead food that had been sitting there all day so now their tips have been stolen from them and also they get crappy food so they so they brought it all the way to the you know attorney general's office because uh they were feeling ripped off and, and pissed about it um in the cure leaf case i just think they're being so petty i just don't understand uh, why they wouldn't just give over the tips but they're they're trying to make a, a legal position on it you know it's when the lawyers run the place then people lose their way Thank you for that story, Christopher. Stealing tips is so trifling. If you treat your employees well, they will treat your customers well. Don't give them an excuse to join a union. 
Yeah, th- this is in line with capitalism, you guys. This is what capitalism does: is it takes advantage of the labor of others, so that the the three to five at the top can go to the Maldives or Tahiti three times a week, have few, three or four houses and millions of dollars. Everybody else gets a name tag, minimum wage job, and more health care. So it's not really in any way out of congruence with how the U.S. is currently run. And really, we need a top a top down and bottom up reordering of civilization for any of this to work out. Yeah, burn it down. Burn it down. What do you say to that, Jason? Back. Joe Biden's America. Burn it down. Burn it down. No, dude. Not Joe Biden. We're not talking about. We're not, we're, we're not talking about Democrats or Republicans, bro. We're talking about a reordering of society. And I know when you eat those mushrooms with me, you gaze lovingly into my eyes and we embrace each other that you feel in your heart with my eyes. I love you. <laughs> Secret socialist. That's what he is. Gaze lovingly in my eyes. That is for that is not reality at all. You know you like it. You know you like it. You like it. You just, like it. Just, I, I, I love Matthew and I love tripping balls with my buddy and whatnot, and we have fucking amazing escapades. But I am not a communist nor a socialist. <laughs> but you are a. Enjoying just the tip of socialism. (laughs) Yeah, they want everything, not just the tips. They're taking everything, including the tips. It's ridiculous to take this from people who are at the bottom working so hard. I mean, it's just disgusting, really. So many innuendos there with so many innuendos there with that uh, (laughs) that statement, Liz. I prefer just the caps, Rico. Balls deep. Let's keep smoking the news. Up next, <laughs> he's a cannabis wizard doing the dam- his damnness to continue the work of the merry pranksters and the brotherhood of eternal love. Alongside the Hogwarts PhD tr- on tripping balls, this co-host of What's Good, the Cannabis Flower and Hash Review Show, and host of the Radio Free Earth podcast, boasts over 33 years in the game for sales, genetics, and cultivation. Up next, Matthew St. Germain. Morning, all, and thanks for dealing with my... Uh power insanity so uh i've got a pretty interesting article today it's about the washington dc mayor signing a medical cannabis cannabis patient self-certification bill washington dc mayor muriel bowser on wednesday signed the bill allowing patients to self-certify if they use cannabis for medical purposes and eliminating the requirement of a physician recommendation the measure was unanimously approved by the city council at the end of june Bowser said, we have made it a priority over the years to build a more patient-centric medical marijuana program, and this legislation builds on those efforts. We know that by bringing more medical marijuana patients into the legal marketplace in a timely manner and doing more to level the playing field for licensed medical marijuana providers, we can protect residents, support local businesses, and provide clarity to the community. In April, the council rejected a similar proposal by Chairman Phil Mendelson because it contained uh, provisions to crack down on cannabis gifting businesses. The self-certification bill is in part meant to drive patients away from gifting businesses and into the legal dispensaries. In a letter, council members Mary Che and Kenyon McDuffie said the measure would put medical dispensaries on a more even footing with gifting businesses when it comes to patient access and could lead to better health outcomes for patients because unregulated cannabis products provide no assurance that the marijuana has been tested or adequately labeled. However, according to the Outlaw Report, there are no official testing laboratories in Washington, D.C. here. In the statement, Bowser said she is looking forward to working with local lawmakers to enact permanent, more comprehensive medical marijuana legislation in the future. And I thought this was really nice in allowing people an easier access to cannabis. I think there's a lot of medical efficacy in cannabis. And at the same time, we all know that the medical thing is a little bit of a charade just to push forward the recreational uh, play for cannabis and the 
all human beings need cannabis if they so choose to use it. Uh, questions or comments, y'all? I think what you meant to say, say, Matthew, is that all use is medical use. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like the self-certification and it allows, uh, you know, patients to, uh, you know, since all use is medical use, it allows patients really to certify for themselves that their use is medical. I think uh, nobody should stand between a patient and their medicine. Not even, you know, doctors as the priest of medicine. I agree. I think this is great. Like, I mean, this is where people can not hide behind that guise of quote recreational and adult use because that's the thing. So many people have medical issues. When it finally became quote legal, they could feel like they could step up. And almost every person I know who talks to me about asks about cannabis is usually, oh, I've got this elbow problem. I've got that. I mean, finally, the people can get what they need in health. Yeah. No, this is a fantastic story. Oh, go ahead, doctor. I completely agree too. I, as a doctor, I, I have always thought that aspirin is available over the counter. Why not cannabis? You know, you, you get advice on aspirin, you can get advice on cannabis from a doctor without restricting access to it. Completely agree. You know, I think this is a huge victory for the residents of DC and all the other surrounding uh, surrounding states of residents that actually travel and work in DC on a regular basis. I don't remember before in order to qualify for their medical program uh, in DC, you had to be a resident of DC, even though a majority of people that go to DC live in surrounding states like Maryland, Virginia, and others. And so this is a huge victory being able to self-certify, and I'm so happy that this is a positive step in the right direction. And true freedom is freedom to put whatever you want in your body. That's right. Amen. Freedom ain't free. And I like how they're thumbing their noses at Congress. Hell yeah. Freedom actually Rico is to be able to fuck yourself up as much as you want on whatever substance you want. And that is true freedom. Yep. Well, I think they're all medical patients. If they uh, have been dealing with any of the politics in the last three years, I'm sure they've got some uh, trauma or anxiety. <laughs> Sounds like our whole government will be self-certifying as medical. I mean, except the Republicans, right? Republicans are totally going to self-certify as medical. What are you talking about? Liz? No, they 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 want to control your access and, and make money off of it. You guys are living in a fancy world. Look at the red states. That's the Democrats that want to control everything and tax everything out of existence. The Republicans are not into background checks. Come on, dudes. Uh, on a separate yeah. note, I just uh, self-certified that uh, I need medical LSD at least twice a month. Hit me up. I approve. I approve. Amen. Hey, lady. A half drop, a full drop, a quarter drop. You know me, bro. I take several drops. You just got to wait. You, you, Sorry, you, the eyeballs. you got to wait for the drop. Can I believe in leaning from the front. Microdosing. Like, yes. I'm going to macro myself. Well, coming up next, this doctor has been around so long that he probably wrote your parents' medical cannabis recommendation. This doctor has had more patients than liberals waiting in line at a President Biden book signing, founder of Medican and co-founder of the CEFC, the nonprofit <laughs> cannabis research organization. It's none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks, Jason. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my headline today is Fee Sharing Telehealth Raise Medical Cannabis Questions by Dara Cam of the Daytona Times. 
Uh, some medical cannabis physicians are growing increasingly frustrated by what they allege are bad actors in Florida's highly competitive cannabis industry. One of the issues involves online companies seeking to connect patients and doctors. The business shares a portion of fees with physicians. If the doctor does not approve medical cannabis, they don't receive a fee. This is essentially the corporate practice of medicine. Fee sharing or fee splitting with doctors is against Florida state law. The law is intended to prevent companies from dictating professional medical advice and services. Online businesses such as Veraheal are gaining a foothold in Florida and other states by promoting services for patients interested in getting state-issued medical cannabis cards. Uh, 2,300 Florida doctors have undergone training that allows them to order medical cannabis, which was legalized by state voters in a 2016 constitutional amendment. Several physicians belong to practices that focus almost exclusively on cannabis patients. The state has more than 730,000 patients who've qualified for treatment. Veraheal, a corporation registered in Delaware with a physical address in Colorado, charges $199 to connect patients with doctors and help navigate the process to obtain Florida cards. The money is refundable if patients don't qualify for treatment. According to a complaint filed with the Florida Board of Medicine in February, Veraheal enlisted doctors to refer patients, offering $55 for each patient. Doctors wouldn't receive anything if patients were deemed ineligible for medical cannabis, according to the complaint. State law says, in part, that it is unlawful to offer or pay a commission, benefit, bonus, rebate, kickback, or bribe directly or indirectly in cash or in kind or engage in any split fee arrangement in any form whatsoever to induce the referral of a patient or patronage to or from a health care provider or health care facility. Uh, telehealth visits are also not permitted in Florida. State law requires doctors to be physically present in the same room as the patient and to conduct physical examinations when evaluating when patients are eligible for medical cannabis. Governor Ron DeSantis temporarily suspended the face-to-face -face requirement during the COVID-19 pandemic, but only for patients who were renewing medical cannabis certifications the same doctors they had seen previously. The executive order expired a year ago, but some doctors in Florida continue to practice telehealth. So access and education are foundational to medical cannabis use. Unfortunately, healthcare in the U.S. is a commodity rather than a right, which breeds bad actors like Veraheal to capitalize on the medical situation. As a cannabis physician, I believe cannabis should be an individual's choice and available to anyone who wants it. Doctors should be placed in the role of guide rather than gatekeeper, which might change the focus on companies like Fairhill. What do you say? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. I agree with you, Dr. Jean. Uh, there's no reason for us to be gatekeepers. We can help assist and guide regarding side effects and drug interactions. And when I was reading that article that you just presented, I was wondering, did someone make a campaign contribution to somebody in Florida to turn the other way for them to, you know, continue um, going against Florida law? That's my, that was my question. Florida seems like a battleground of big business trying to take over the market, you know, with no one really paying attention to the, to the patient. It, it seems like a mess out there. Um, 
they need to bring on the self-certified uh, uh, like they did in D.C. Well, if, 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 if things keep on shaping out the way they do, it's going to be a battleground state to Jason Beck. It's not going to be a battleground state. Ron DeSantis is going to smoke any Democrat that comes in his path. Uh, I understand that uh, Vice President Kamala Harris is uh, 10 points ahead of him uh, in the head-to-head competition should Drew Biden choose not to run. Yeah, that's what, that's what, yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, whatever, I don't know what poll that is, but let me tell you something. Kamala Harris is about as, about as popular as hurting yourself. Huh? <laughs> My body, my choice. Yo, um, I think it's just not going to catch on. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, uh, DeSantis runs for president and Florida's up for grabs. Nikki Freed. And Nikki Freed is not going to win the governorship of Florida. We shall see. All right. Bringing us home, he is the founder of a bi-coastal boutique cannabis firm and also NCI director, legal publisher, author, Aganjier, and purple belt in high-styled Brazilian jiu-jitsu, who's been rumored to use the weight of chads against them, forcing sesh opponents to tap out early. Bringing us home, Omar Figueroa. What you got for us today, my man? Thank you, Rico. Happy uh, 710, everyone. My story is from MJ Biz Daily by Patrick Maravellius. The headline is 710, the other marijuana holiday boosting retail sales. Step aside, 420. There's another unofficial marijuana-related holiday that retailers can take advantage of. 710, or Dab Day, is dedicated to cannabis users who prefer concentrates such as live resin, shatter, or hash rosin to name a few. The name for the unofficial holiday, which falls on Sunday this year, comes from the word oil turned upside down, forming the number 710. According to Seattle-based business intelligence platform Headset, concentrate sales increased by 67% on July 10, 2021, while Rosin sales increased by 213% versus the preceding four Saturdays. 710 tends to be the third biggest sales period of the year, particularly as awareness around the day and interest in the concentrates category grows, said Stephen Jung, Chief Operating Officer of San Francisco-based vape pod maker PAX. This is especially true in more established markets like California. 420 and Cyber Week tied to the Thanksgiving holiday are the respective first and second biggest sales periods of the year. According to Young, many retailers across the cannabis sector are running promotions for 710, including C3 Industries, an Ann Arbor-based Michigan multi-state vertically integrated cannabis company. It's a holiday that I think every cannabis retailer needs to take advantage of, said Jason Birkenstock, Vice President of Retail for C3 Industries. The folks that we look at as competition are absolutely participating. While not nearly as many cannabis users celebrate 710 as they do 420, it still offers a good opportunity for retailers to run promotions, provide consumer education, and sell more concentrates. It's not as aggressive as the spike we see on 420, but definitely we see a nice uptick, a nice increase in sales on 710, Birkenstock said. 
According to Brightfield Group, a Chicago-based emerging markets research company, about 25% of all cannabis consumers have used concentrates within six months of the survey date, which varied as the report covered a compilation of data going back to the first quarter of 2020. That number has stayed relatively consistent from before the COVID-19 pandemic until now, which is quite interesting as we've been seeing other things increase like babes and gummies, said Maddie Scanlon, Cannabis Insights Analyst for Brightfield. Another thing to consider here is that cannabis users as a whole have been increasing. In other words, concentrate users tend to consistently make up about a quarter of the cannabis retailer's consumer base, even as the market expands. While only 7% of cannabis users told Brightfield that celebrating 710 was important to them, compared with the 20% that said the same for 420, they can still make for a sizable jump in sales volume. Headset also reported that concentrates take up 8.3% of the U.S. cannabis market share. Gen Z and millennial males tend to be the biggest concentrated consumers at 14 and 11% of the total wallet share, respectively. It is also important to note, according to Headset, that U.S. consumers vastly prefer Vive Resin to other types of concentrates as 34% of users compared with Rosin 12%, Shatter 7%, Hash 2%. Besides being an opportunity to sell more products through discounts and promotions, 710 can be an opportunity to create new concentrate users by educating consumers who are coming in to buy flour or edibles. We take the opportunity to educate consumers around the holiday, and if they've never dabbed before, educate them on where would be the best place to start, what concentrate form would make the most sense for them. While concentrates traditionally appeal to more seasoned cannabis users, new extraction technology and improved processing methods have evolved to the point where a user does not need the traditional torch and nail dab rig set up to use concentrates. Those consumers can opt to use products such as bay pens and distillate cartridges, which can be much easier to use. For a lot of consumers, they may be uncomfortable uncomfortable with it because they're not familiar with the dab rigs, all the tools they need to enjoy a concentrate. Um, it should be noted that as perishable products, concentrates do go bad and lose taste, especially if they're improperly stored. So 710 can be a good opportunity for retailers to offload older products before their expiration dates. Someone is being left behind if they're not participating in 710, Birkenstock said. Uh, for me, you know, it's not really like a traditional cannabis holiday, but it's a relatively new holiday. And I'll be personally celebrating 710 this year at the Kind Bud Camp Out at the Hog Farm in Mendocino County. Looking forward to the Canada Mass Day's uh, ceremony. Hope to see you there. Get your tickets on the bed high. The headline is 710, the other marijuana holiday boosting retail sales. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, author, and Ganjia instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, the traditional territory of Pomo, Coast, Miwok, and Wapo Nations for the State of Cannabis News Hour. And don't fuck up the rotation or he will break your wrist and walk away. Just remember to tap. <laughs> <laughs> tap in or tap out. We have Cole coming up from the audience. I think you'd like to say something. Please do. Go ahead. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Cole here from Ohio. I work in marketing and sales at a dispensary. 
And yeah, I wanted to touch on the fact that a lot of the dispensaries here in Ohio and throughout the medical programs seem to be really going with the unloading of the products that are nearing the expiration date. We're having a lot of supply issues where patients are really craving those live resins, you know, solventless distillates, but our cultivators are not really able to keep up. Um, so we're having, you know, some issues keeping the things that patients really want on the shelves. Um, so yeah, we're really going with, you know, unloading those products that maybe haven't been selling quite as much as we'd like. Appreciate your comment, Cole. And we are at the end of hold the on, on, hour. We're at the end of the hour. Show's over. Come on, real quick. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Come with it, Elise. Come on with it. I just want to plug this Sunday, 710 in San Francisco is the world premiere of the Frenchie Cannoli documentary. There are tickets still on sale. All proceeds benefit the Origins Council, which supports small farmer initiatives. And it's going to be a beautiful day with a lot of legacy and OGs and, and celebrating Frenchie's legacy and small farmers. 710 San Francisco, the Marina Theater. Find information in Frenchie Cannoli's bio or mine. Thank you so much. I was going to give you the gong for promotion, but Frenchie was my guy, man. Rest in peace. And he is a motherfucking legend. So uh, that was a great show. If you missed any of it, you can catch it anywhere you get your podcast. Next week, we'll pop it back up. Uh, please subscribe and leave us a review. A big thank you to all the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. A big thank you to everybody involved with the show, including the audience this week. I know we've been uh, kind of like out of whack. The sound has been all messed up and uh, the stories have been kind of weird. But um this is a true testament to our founder, Susan Sories, and all the work that she puts in behind the scenes to keeping the show flawless for so long through 318 episodes. Um, next week, we will be back on both. Uh, we will be back on both tracks and we'll have a more succinct show. And make sure you guys enjoy 710. And um, any final words here, J uh, Jason, before we uh, hop off? Just enjoy an amazing holiday celebrating 710 and for anyone that doesn't know 710 it's oil spelled upside down in pager language hell yeah clear pagers of course clear color whatever all of them just sit on the pager side gotta see them guts all right, y'all. Much love, everybody. We will see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks, y'all. Have a great weekend. And the uh, the music is not playing now. I don't know Say what's going goodbye, on here. Goodbye. Blaze it. Free Brittany Griner. <laughs>